Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. And so the question that you have to be able to answer if you're going to address this issue of greed in your heart is, are you going to be a manager who realizes I want to make the best out of what I have or are you going to be an owner? When you're an owner, again, the assumption is that it's all for your consumption. But if you're a manager, now the assumption is that it's all for his glory. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. In the New Testament, Jesus had a lot to say about heaven, hell, faith, and salvation. But there is one topic that Jesus talked about more than all of these topics combined. How to manage money. In fact, one in ten verses in the New Testament is about managing money. Sixteen of the thirty-eight parables are about how to manage money. One in four teachings from Jesus are about, you guessed it, how to manage your money. In this series, we are going to dig deep into Jesus' teachings about this important subject. The reason we are doing this isn't because God wants something from you, it's because God wants something for you. You see, God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. That is why the Bible says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our hope is that through this series, you will gain insights into how to have more margin, less debt, an increase in peace, a decrease in greed, and most importantly, a greater appreciation for all that God has given you in Jesus. We want to extend an invitation to you. If you live in or are visiting the Denver metropolitan area, we would love to have you attend a service at Valley View Christian Church this Sunday at 9 or 10.30 a.m. Now please enjoy today's message. saying things like, ah, I'm just careful with my money. I'm a saver. I grew up in a poor home. I'm not sure what the future might hold. And so we hold and we hoard and we keep it all to ourselves. But that's not what Jesus wants for you. So what is it that he wants for you? What does he want from me when it comes to this very, very important subject? How do we get to the root of this problem? Well, in the context of that verse I just read you, this is what's going on, and this is what Jesus said about it. He said, someone in the crowd said to him, referring to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And so this man is dealing with an inheritance dispute with his brother, and he needs to get this issue resolved. And so he comes to Jesus, and he asks him for some financial advice. And that is, in my opinion, a very good thing. I think it's a good thing not just going to Jesus asking for financial advice. I think it's good to just go to Jesus and ask for advice about everything, anything. What is it that he has to say about how we manage money and how we manage our possessions? And what did he have to say? Well, I'll tell you this, he had a lot to say about it. Actually, in the New Testament, one in 10 verses teach about money and possessions. 16 of 38 parables teach about money and possessions. 25% of Jesus' teachings are about money and possessions. And that is intriguing to me because what that essentially means is, is that if I stood up here and one out of four sermons that I preach was about money and possessions, that this teaching ministry would actually be closer to what Jesus originally taught than it is now. Now, I'm not going to do that, so, you know, don't, don't, go, don't, don't get too nervous about that. I'm not going there. But because of the day and the age that we live in, if one in four sermons were about money and possessions, there would never be more doubt about my teachings and the teachings from this stage being in line with Jesus' teachings. And why is that? Well, again, that comes back to the root of our problem for many of us, which is often greed. 
Now, as we come to Jesus and we want to hear what it is he has to say about this, there's a couple things I want you to catch here. One is, if you don't believe in him, um, or maybe you're just dabbling back in the church and you're re-engaging with the church and you haven't been connected to the church in a long time, what, what I'm talking about here is good to know, but it's like fifth on the list for you right now. We just want you to get Jesus. We don't right now want you to grab a hold of what Jesus has to say about this subject in our lives. Okay, we want you to grab a hold of him. And if you're just kind of, again, trying to ease back into the church, I get it. It takes some time. And again, these are important things to know and to do something with, but there are more important things for you. Now, for the rest of us who have been journeying with the Lord for some time, and, and maybe we even considered this our church home, what he has to say is very, very important to us. Not because we're trying to say, give it all away. That's not at all where I'm going with this, at all going with this today. What I want for you is to have that life that Jesus wants for you. What I want for me is to have that life. And the only way we get that life is if we deal with the greed that's in our heart. And that is what Jesus does in this parable. So the second thing that we actually see from this guy here is this. He, he did the right thing by going to Jesus, but then he asked Jesus to validate what he already believes about the money. He says, tell my brother to divide the inheritance. And Jesus, seeing what's going on here, he says, I'm going to get to the heart of the problem here. I'm going to deal with the issue that's really going on here. And he doesn't validate what this guy already believes, which is kind of an important question for us to even consider. If you learned what Jesus says about money, that mo what Jesus says about money is different than how you handle it, would you be willing to make the sacrifices and changes he wants? And we can really put any word here. If you learned what Jesus says about your marriage, about how you're supposed to work, about how you handle your time, about forgiveness, about anger. If you learned what Jesus had to say about anxiety, would you be willing to make the necessary sacrifices and changes he wants? Years ago, centuries ago, really, the Knights Templar went off to the Holy Land to recapture Jerusalem. Before these knights would often set off, they would go see a priest. And when they went to see the priest, they would be baptized. And there are stories of these knights being baptized, taken down and taken down into the water and still holding up their sword out of the water, even as they went into the water. Because they were saying, God, you can have every part of my life, but because of some of the things that I'm about to do and I have to do, I'm keeping this sword to myself. I'm going to have control over that. Now, we don't have a sword that we would hold out of that water of baptism, but we might have a wallet. <laughs> in fact, it's been said the most sensitive nerve in your body is the one that goes from your heart to your wallet. It's a sensitive subject, I know. It is for all of us. And that's why Jesus takes advantage of this opportunity to teach about this issue. And so Jesus replied, he said, man, who appointed me judge or arbiter between you? But then he takes advantage of this moment. He says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. And what Jesus does here is the man, he wanted to deal with the fruit. He wanted to deal with what was on the outside, but Jesus wants to deal with the root. He wants to deal with what's on the inside. And so he tells a story. He told this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Now, you might wonder where you fit in this story. Well, I'll tell you where you fit. You fit where there is an abundant harvest. 
because you have an abundant harvest, especially from a global standpoint. You may not realize this, but you are filthy rich. I'm filthy rich. Whenever we look at what's going on around us, we have more than we could ever, most of the world could ever imagine needing to manage. Most of the world right now lives on approximately $3,000 a year. In America, the approximate median income is $65,000 to $70,000 a year. And here in our area, it is much, much, much more than that. Now, you may not realize this, but you are well within the top 1% of earners in all of the world. In fact, you aren't even just in the top 1%. You're in the top 10th of 1% in the entire world. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we would love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. And do you wanna know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed by a local church. Because it is here that we met Jesus and he changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We'd love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com for more information. Now let's get back to our program. You have an abundant harvest. You are rich beyond your wildest imaginations. And that question that he said is one that we all have to say and answer. What shall I do in light of everything that I've been given and been blessed with? And you've been given a lot. I've been given a lot. Because, let, me, let me just ask you this. Did you do anything to be born into the 20th century or even now, goodness, the 21st century? No, you didn't do it. Did you do anything to be born into America? No. Did you do anything to end up in Douglas County? Maybe. <laughs> or Jefferson County or Arapahoe County or any of those counties around us. You might have done a little bit there, but let me tell you something. My point is that so much of what you have has been out of your control. And that's, and that's okay. That's okay, but you've been given an abundance. And what are you going to do with that? Well, for many of us, we have that greed in our heart that's getting control of us, and so we need to change that. We need to deal with that. And I'm going to give you two questions to help us to navigate the abundance that we have been given. And here's the first question. Will you manage your wealth or own your wealth? Now, I know this sounds like a bit of an odd question, and generally managing things isn't always seen in a positive light. But in this particular case... Managing is exactly what you need to do because that's really all you are doing. I know a bank tells you you own it. I know you've got some documentation that tells you you own some things. I get it. But the reality is, is you have it for just a little bit of time. It's not a lease, but it's kind of like a lease. Whenever you lease something, you get it, and then you have it for that period of time, and then you have to give it to somebody else. That's what happens with everything that we have in this life. 
God has given it to us. We have it for a little bit of time and then we don't get to take it with us. And the Egyptians taught us this because the Egyptians tried to take it with them. King Tut's tomb, that, that casket that he was in, it was almost worth $2 million. And guess what? Whenever they finally found that tomb, it was still there, as was everything else that was in that tomb. And grave robbers knew this. And so they would target those tombs because they knew that when that person was gone, everything else stayed. In other words, we're all managers. In the eternal scheme of things, we're really not owners. And the book of uh, Chronicles tells us this. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power. Everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all wealth and honor come from you. And so when it comes to documentation that I'm looking to define what it is that I own and don't own, I'm not going to go to the bank statements. I'm not going to necessarily search through our our file cabinet at home. I'm going to open up my Bible and say, all right, God, what do I own and what don't I own? And God says, you don't own anything. You're just the manager. Now, have you, you don't have to raise your hand, but think to yourself, have you ever had a budget you were responsible for and you went over? Or maybe you misspent or misappropriated some funds. Maybe it was intentionally, maybe it was unintentionally. Well, that's not fun when somebody who is over you comes to you and addresses that issue with you. That's not a good conversation to have. I don't like having those conversations in either which way they happen. That's just not good. And that's what God's going to do with us one day. He's going to look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant, or he's not. And I'm not saying that's a salvation issue. Of course it's not. But what I am saying is that God is looking at how we manage what it is that we have been given. How many of you have, you can raise your hands on this one, read the screw tape letters? A few, oh, all right, man. We have got some super spiritual Christians here. That's great. So the Screw Tape Letters is a C.S. Lewis classic book. A more modern version of it, if you're interested, is Lord Falgren's Letters. It's written by Randy Alcorn. And that, it, there, this is a book, Screw Tape Letters, is a book of a senior demon writing letters to a junior demon to advise the junior demon on how uh, to influence people away from God. How to influence them to not believe in Jesus. And, and the strategies, they aren't rocket science, but they revolve around distraction they revolve around temptation and interestingly enough the senior demon writes the junior demon and he even encourages the junior demon to say if you want them to stay away from the enemy referring to God then make them all think they own what it is that they have this is actually a quote from the book the sense of ownership is always to be encouraged among humans humans are always putting up claims to ownership which is which sounds equally funny in heaven and in hell because in the grand scheme of the eternal, we realize we really just manage it. We must continue to keep them doing this because the joke of the human beings actually using the word mine in its fully possessive sense cannot be uttered about anything. Because in the long run, our father, referring to Satan, and the enemy, referring to God, remember these are letters between demons, will say mine about each and everything that exists, and especially about every man. They will find out in the end to whom their time, their bodies, their souls belong, but certainly not to them. The enemy, God says, mine of everything based on the fact that he made everything. And so the question that you have to be able to answer if you're going to address this issue of greed in your heart is, are you going to be a manager 
who realizes I want to make the best out of what I have or are you going to be an owner? When you're an owner, again, the assumption is that it's all for your consumption. But if you're a manager, now the assumption is that it's all for his glory. And so you take that home of yours and like many of the people, several people in our church, you use it for God's glory. And so you serve single moms and you allow them to stay in your basement for a period of time to help them get over to the hump to where they can get their place of, a place of their own. You use your car to give people rides. You let people borrow things. You're not as worried about people maybe tracking something into your house. You want to know how, uh, you want to know if you're a little off on this is if you have a couch in your house that people aren't allowed to sit on. <laughs> And you maybe met those kind of people that you can't, you can't touch that couch. You can't sit on that couch. You can't even look at that couch because something might happen to that couch. If you've got something like that in your life, you don't own it. It owns you. And when we get this thing off, catch this. This is another thing. You will have a full life full of things, but you won't have a meaningful life. We got to manage this stuff better. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. I know it has been to others. I recently received a message from a listener of ours who said, thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. It is encouraging and refreshing to hear biblical-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. This is one of the several notes that I've received from people that are blessed by our program. That is why we want to continue this program on the radio, but that can only happen through the generous contributions of listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website, valleyviewcc.com, and then click on the gift tab there. Once you click on the tab, just designate a gift to go to the radio ministry of Hope for the Day. Your gift would be an incredible blessing to this ministry. And as always, we want to meet you personally as well. That is why if you live in the Denver metropolitan area, we want to extend an invitation to you to visit us in person at one of our Sunday services, 9 and 10.30 a.m. If you do, please introduce yourself to me, Philip Holland. I'd love to meet you. Now let's get back to the program. And so Jesus, he then goes on. This is what I'll do as he tells the story. Notice the the eyes and the mys that are used here. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. The heart of this is a guy who is putting all of his hope and his future prospects in his own wealth. And that's really the second question. That's the second question I have for you is this is will you put your hope in God or your hope in your wealth? And it's pretty easy to tell the difference here. You could end up being somebody who has more money in the end than you thought that you would ever have. But then you have a child who runs away. You have a child who struggles with an addiction. You have a child who can't ever quite get, their self, get themselves up on their feet. And what you realize is that Having a lot of money doesn't fix that problem. And what you need is something that's much, much greater than that money. And you start praying and you start hoping that God's going to intersect into that child's life of yours to get them back on track. Or maybe one day a doctor will call me. 
And maybe it's at a point in time in life in which we have enough money to get us by for the rest of our life. And the doctor says, I'm sorry, you're really sick. And I say, okay, well, what's it gonna cost me? I've got money, I can, I can pay for a cure. But then the doctor says, money isn't gonna buy you a cure because there isn't one. In that moment, I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray because hope and money isn't gonna do anything for me. Or you might go through a really rough patch with your spouse and you want him to love you and you want her to respect you. And then you realize no matter how much money you have, it's not gonna get you those things because there's some things that money can't buy. And whenever all of that happens, you've gotta have your hope in the right place. Let me, let, me, let me present to you these two statements. And I want you to be honest with yourself and to ask yourself which one of them gives you more anxiety. Because the one that gives you more anxiety is going to tell you where your hope really is. So which one of these statements gives you more anxiety? There is no God? Or there is no money in your bank account? that will tell you right there where your hope really is at. And unfortunately, the man in this story, he finds out the hard way that his hope was in the wrong place. And the scripture says, but God. And guess what? In each and every one of our lives, this will happen on numerous occasions. There's always that but God moment. And it'll happen to us when God intersects into our lives. He intervenes into our lives. And something happens that maybe we didn't see coming into our lives. And when that but God moment happens, God is going to do something that we don't have any control over. Because he has a plan and he has purposes that are far beyond anything that we can imagine. And so there is always a but God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. And then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. And what Jesus teaches us here is that we have to really get to the heart of this issue if we're going to deal with this issue. But imagine what would happen if we became a people who had a shift and we shifted from being consumed by owning to being consumed by managing for God's glory. And if we quit trying to put all of our hope and wealth and we started to put our hope more and more into God, the things that that would prompt us to do with our time, because we're not gonna be greedy with our time anymore, because our assumption isn't gonna be it's all for our consumption. We wanna use our time now to bless others, to bless God and bless his kingdom and expand it. We're gonna use our finances to finance things that will bless God and bless others and bless his kingdom. We are going to use the gifts that God has given us to bless God and bless others and bless his kingdom and expand it out into the world. Like all of a sudden things begin to change. And when a church does that, incredible things happen. I've seen it in other places. I'm seeing it in this place and I'm seeing it more and more and more happen. And when that happens, this area that we are in that so desperately needs Jesus is going to come to find him in more and more greater ways. And guess what? Just like that mission trip that we talked about earlier, now we get to be a church that is impacting the world internationally. And we're getting them money and we're getting them resources and we are getting them people to help give that local church credibility to be a blessing to that community. There's incredible things that happen 
when we're willing to dig deep, pull up those roots, and to really honor God with all that he has given us. And he's given us a lot. John chapter three, verse 16 said, for God so loved the world that he gave. He wasn't greedy with his mercy. He wasn't greedy with his compassion. He wasn't greedy with his grace. Instead, he was generous with those things. And he gave his one and only son that who shall ever believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. It's been said that, that you can give without loving, but you can never love without giving. And God loved you so much that he gave his one and only son that who will ever believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And it's out of that heart that we live out of a heart. We live out a heart of generosity as well. And we do that as we think about what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so we're gonna go into a time of communion in which we're gonna do just that. We're gonna reflect back on what it is that he did for us and the love that he displayed for us. And for everyone who's called on his name, we want to encourage you to take these next few moments to reflect on what God has given you in Jesus. If you need to receive communion, raise your hand. Our team will be happy to get that to you. If you're somebody who hasn't called on the name of Jesus, we want to encourage you to take this time to reflect, to consider what we have said. But for all of you that have, we want you to take this time to reflect on what God has given you in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for Jesus and all that you've given us in him. Father, we're grateful for the riches that we have in Christ that go so far beyond possessions. And Lord, may we be a people that dig deep and dig up the roots that are in our hearts of greed and make it all about ourselves. And let us make it about you. In Jesus Christ's name. To learn more about this sermon, sermon series, or other messages, please visit our church's website at valleyviewcc.com. You can also find these radio segments on the Hope for the Day, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Valley View Christian Church is located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85, Santa Fe. We provide services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. This broadcast is made possible through generous contributions of listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to our church's website and then click on the gift tab there. We look forward to having you join us again next time on Hope for the Day.